This daily grind, I need one wine. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. Every day of my life is such a grind. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast, and I must start off by apologizing because I thought we were going to finish Acts chapter 18 in the last podcast, but it was just too much to cover, and so I decided to add on one more podcast to get through a couple of things that we need to discuss that that Luke points out here in this chapter about Paul, and some very interesting things. Well, actually, one's about Apollos that we'll see at the end, Uh, but Thank you uh, for listening today. Thank you for watching on YouTube, and may God bless you. And we're going to get right in to finishing this time, Acts chapter 18. And I left off the the last podcast talking about uh, where Luke says that that, uh, Paul has a vision, and Jesus speaks to Paul. He reassures, uh, reassures him. He encourages him. Uh, by telling him, don't be afraid, just speak out, Paul. He says, don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. And I I took a few minutes to to break down what Jesus had said and and why he said it. And I I personally believe that, that maybe Paul was feeling some frustration. Maybe he was beginning to question, why am I doing this? You know, I'm giving my life literally i'm putting on the line every day people are, are are trying to stone me they're trying to beat me they are beating me they are stoning me they're they're going off on me they're chasing me from city to city they they hate me they're not listening to anything that i'm saying they continue to, to reject my message what in the world am i doing and so maybe you know jesus just pops in and has a conversation with paul and just encourages him gives him a little pep talk and it just propels Paul to keep on going. And so Paul stays in Corinth uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, well, Luke tells us he stayed there for a year and a half. And, and then after this, after having this um, meeting with the gov- this new governor, Gallio, uh, he stays there for a little bit longer, Luke says. And, and when he leaves... He's going to take Priscilla and Aquila. That's who he met when he first came into Corinth, and he stay, actually stayed in their home while he was there. Um, but when he leaves Corinth, he goes by to a nearby city called Centria. And Luke records something very interesting that Paul did, and it makes us all scratch our heads. I mean, literally, our in Paul's case, uh, uh, the, our bald heads. Of course, you can see that I, I'm definitely not bald. Um but Paul was at this instance because Luke records that when he got to Centria, Paul shaved his head according to the uh, Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. And then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. Well, there's so much speculation as to why Paul shaved his head. And the truth is, we really don't have any idea. We don't really know why Paul shaved his head because Luke doesn't tell us why he shaved his head. So we can only speculate as to why Paul uh, shaved his head in this instance. Now, you can Google all kinds of things that people say 
there's the reason why Paul shaved his head if you're interested here here's what I'm gonna say uh, is is my opinion uh, is the reason why that Paul shaved his head and it's because that he had probably taken a Nazarite vow for whatever reason while he was in Corinth and it ended after he left Corinth and you can read all about the Nazarite vow in Numbers uh, chapter 6 verses 1 through 21 and what you're going to find out is that at the end of a Nazarite vow the person did shave their head so do all the kind do all the research that you want if, if you like it's an interesting read it's an interesting study uh, but I believe the more important thing to focus on here is that is that Paul kept going he he kept on telling people about Jesus and he had he also added two more people to his entourage if you will Aquila and Priscilla and and just like I said the same thing when Silas signed up to go with Paul and begin uh, taking these journeys with with Paul I I'll say the same thing about Aquila and Priscilla. Did they really know what they were signing up for? I mean, I mean, look what Paul has gone through up to this point. He's got people chasing him from city to city. He's been stoned. He's been beaten. He's been put in prison. Uh, I mean, he's got people chasing him all around. Everywhere he goes, they're rejecting his message. They're not listening to him. They, they do not like this man. And so I, I just can't help but to think did Aquila and Priscilla know what they were getting into. Uh, but hey, that that's, Jesus told us, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. That's what he told his disciples. And, 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 and that's what he tells us from his word, from his own message. He was hated, so why would not people hate us? And so, you know, I, I just can't help but think, you know, if, if we're loved by a lot of people and, and and we're not hated by anyone are are we really doing what we should be doing are we telling people about jesus are people seeing jesus in us because if we're really truly showing jesus then there should be some people who don't like us who reject us who don't want us around because that's exactly what jesus said and it's not that they hate us it's not that they don't like us it's they don't like our message and if, but if we're not proclaiming Jesus, if we're not sharing the message, then hey, then everybody's going to love us. You know, and if you're a people pleaser, people are going to like you. People are going to love you. And, and that, that's just the really and truly that's what people want to be. We, we don't want to make people mad. We don't want to make people upset. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But Jesus said, when you live for me, people are going to hate you because they hated me first. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Paul. And so Luke tells us uh, all the places that Paul travels to from here. Remember, he is on his second mission, what we call the second missionary journey. The first missionary journey was with Barnabas, and they went around and they, they traveled all these places and they started these churches. The second missionary journey, they revisit these places. Uh, Barnabas is taking John Mark and went his separate way from Paul. Paul is taking Silas. He's picked up Timothy along the way in Lystra. And now he's picked up, uh, he's got Silas with him and he's picked up Aquila and Priscilla. And so Luke tells us that Paul travels uh, to Ephesus uh, where he leaves his entourage. He's going to leave these people that I just mentioned uh, 
for a while. And then he goes to the port of Caesarea and he visited the church at Jerusalem, which would be pretty cool because that's where the apostles were and, and the elders and that's where the church began, right? And so Paul is going back to tell them all these great things that are happening in, in these Gentile places and how the Lord is uh, starting up these Gentile churches, if you will, and what God is doing through the lives of these Gentiles. And so he goes from Jerusalem, he goes back to Antioch is where he, he and Barnabas started from. That's where the elders had laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and, and the Holy Spirit said, separate me, these two men, and, and for the work that I've, uh, I've got for them to do. And that's when they started their journey, actually. And so he goes back to Antioch from Jerusalem. And then he travels back through Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening, Luke says that he's strengthening all the believers. Now, my question is, can you imagine, if you could just put yourself in the shoes of these people uh, these believers, this was very new at the time. It was brand new. And they're being persecuted for their belief in Christ, their obedience to the gospel. And and they know the things that Paul have endured. And they're so grateful that this man has showed up into the, in, their, in their place uh, where they live and has shared this message of hope, has given them uh, the light of the uh, of Jesus, and 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 they have heard the gospel, that been obedient to the gospel, and they're living for Jesus, and they know what Paul has endured because he's told them what has happened to him on his journeys as he reached their city, and now all of it, you know, I can't help but think that these people. Over the time that has passed by since they have last seen Paul, did they think because you know they didn't have social media, they couldn't just you know send a message through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. They they couldn't just punch on Facebook, hey, been been to Lystra, been to Derbia today, and this is what's happened. Everything's okay. I'm good. I've been in, uh, been in Philippi, and they put me in prison, uh, but you know everything's a okay. Paul, uh, we're me and Silas, we're good. They, they couldn't do that. This, this was, the Bible is their social media. Luke pinned this stuff down so we can have it 2,000 years later. And it's pretty cool that we do. And we can read uh, their, about their journeys. And, and, but I can't help but think about these people who haven't seen Paul for a long time. And did they sit around, you know, like we do at the barber shop or at the beauty shop and talk about this person? That well, I wonder whatever happened to so-and-so. Have you heard anything from so-and-so? And you just fill in the blank. Is that what they did with Paul? You know it is. They, they just, they, they, they sit around on their porch and they're asking, well, I wonder whatever happened to Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas. What, whatever happened to them? I, it sure would be good to see them again. And all of a sudden, Paul pops in and says, hey, I just want to check in and see how y'all were doing. I'm still around. I'm still alive. I'm still good. Yep, I got a lot of scars because I've been getting beat. I've been getting stoned. But hey, still going in the name of Jesus. Just had this nice pep talk from Jesus himself. And so let me encourage you with his words, right? So maybe something like that happened. You know, we don't know. Paul, Luke doesn't say in his writings, but, but we know how people are because we're people. And those people were no different from us. They were human. And so they would be so encouraged to see uh, that Paul is still alive and that he is still sharing the gospel and that he still cares about them 
because they were his converts. He converted these people to Christ, and he started these churches, and now he is there to encourage them in person. And that would be so uplifting to these people who are being persecuted for following Jesus. So, at the end of Acts chapter 18, Luke's going to take his focus off of Paul for a bit, and he's going to put it on a man named Apollos. And when we come back from break, we're going to uh, get into what Luke says about Apollos. We will be back in just a moment. This is Bruce Stott, one of the elders at Partnership Christian Church, and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to Grind It Podcast. Keep grinding. So as I said, as we're going to break, at the end of Acts chapter 18, Luke takes his focus off of Paul just for a bit, and he puts it his focus on uh, this man named Apollos. And I want you to listen to this description that Luke gives us of Apollos. He says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. So somewhere down the line, somewhere down the road, somebody had shared the gospel with Apollos, and he was converted to Jesus. And you could tell that the man loved Jesus from Luke's, uh, from hearing Luke's description. Luke said he had an enthusiastic spirit and that his teachings were very accurate. But there was one problem. The people that he baptized was baptized under John's uh, uh, baptism, under John's authority, and not Jesus, because he had never heard of the baptism of Jesus. He was only familiar with the baptism of John. And we can read about John's baptism in Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, and John chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1 verse 4, Mark tells us that John's baptism was actually a baptism unto repentance. That's what John was out there doing. He was in the Jordan River baptizing people. Even even some Pharisees were coming out to to be uh, to see what's going on with John and you know he he calls them vipers you brood of vipers what what brings you out here you got to bring uh fruit of repentance to be baptized for the remission of your sins but John was baptizing people in the Jordan River for the remission or the forgiveness of sins and Paul confirms this in Acts chapter 19 verse 4 but here is the difference between John's baptism and being baptized in the name of Jesus. John himself told the people, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. That's how awesome this guy is. So much more awesome than I am. I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you. Now get this. Talking about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. 
And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the, you remember the apostles are filled with the Spirit. It's Peter who, you know, they're, they're thinking, all the people outside who hear this, all these Jews that had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost, they think that these men are drunk. And so Peter stands up and he says, oh, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning if we wanted to be drunk. He said, this is uh, what the prophet Joel spoke about. And so he goes through this sermon and he talks about how the Jews had crucified the very Messiah they've been looking for. And that's what he tells them at the end of his sermon. He says, you are guilty of crucifying Jesus and God has raised him up from the dead and now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is in a place of authority. And then in uh, Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 37, they're pierced in their heart, the Jews are, or some of them are, and they say, Brothers, what shall we do? What, what, what should we do about this situation? You know, we, we, we're convicted here. We've done wrong. We have crucified Jesus, and we, we have wrongly done so. And so Peter replies to them, each, and this is in verse, Acts 2, verse 38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, once you do this, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Verse at the end of verse 38. This promise is unto you. He's talking to those immediate people. Your children, those people that are at your home, and those who are far away, and that's us. 2,000 years later, it's not changed. All who have been called by the Lord our God. People who give their life to Jesus Christ and are baptized in water for the remission or for the forgiveness of their sins, just as Peter says, we're filled with the same Holy Spirit that they were filled with. But my point is, the difference between John's baptism and being baptized in the name of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Just as John has said himself, Jesus was the one who could not only forgive sins, but he will baptize you, he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. So the problem then with Apollos and with what he is teaching and what and how he is baptizing people, he's missing the, the key ingredient that goes along with the Christian life. And that's the Holy Spirit. He has the head knowledge, right? He has the enthusiasm, but he doesn't himself have the Holy Spirit, nor is he baptizing people in the name of Jesus Christ so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is simply baptizing people under John's baptism, which was for the remission or the forgiveness of sins under the authority of John the baptizer. Huge difference. Huge, huge, huge difference. And we're going to see this actually in the starting off of Acts chapter 19 and then in the next chapter. So think about this. Apollos' heart was in the right place, right? He's, he's trying to do the right thing. He is actually doing the right thing. He's preaching Jesus. He's converting people to Jesus. He just missed one detail, the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, it really wasn't his fault because he probably learned it uh, that way from the people that baptized him, who had converted him. And so as he is speaking boldly in the synagogue at Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla, who had been left behind in Ephesus by Paul, they, they're, they're there in the synagogue and they hear him speak and they, they just notice 
something wasn't jiving. Something wasn't quite lining up with what Paul's teaching. And so instead of embarrassing him and, you know, and calling him out in front of all these people in the synagogue, they wait till he gets done speaking. And then they pull, Luke says they literally pull him aside and they teach him the way of God more accurately. After this, he was thinking about going to Achaia, Luke says, which is where Aquila and Priscilla had met Paul in Corinth. And so they encouraged him to go there. Aquila and Priscilla write a letter to the believers there asking him to accept him as one of their own and to welcome Apollos on his arrival. And Luke ends Acts chapter 18 by saying this, When he arrived there, when Apollos arrived there at Achaia, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Now remember, Paul's already stirred these Jews up. He's already been in the synagogue, and they continue to reject Paul's message about Jesus. Now this new dude shows up, Apollos, and he's preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And there are some powerful arguments going on in a public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So as we finish up Acts chapter 18, I want to point out just a few things. Number one... He had public debates with the Jews. It was not behind closed doors with a select few. It was a public debate so that anyone who wanted to listen could listen. Here's the second thing I want to point out. He used the scriptures to back up his claim that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, a person can have all the arguments in the world, but when they're weighed against the scriptures, they're going to be found to be false especially when it comes to Jesus being the Messiah. It does not matter how smart someone is. It does not matter what kind of arguments those Jews had against Paul and had against Apollos when they were trying to convince these Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. It did not matter what they said because Jesus was the Messiah and the Old Testament scriptures that they had to use, all the prophets, the writings from the prophets, they backed up Jesus as being the Messiah. And you cannot argue with Scripture. You can argue with Scripture, but you're always going to be wrong. God is always right. His teachings are absolute truth. The Word of God is absolute truth. And when we line up against the Word of God, we will always be found wrong unless we agree with God, unless we agree with the Scriptures. There is absolutely no doubt that Jesus was and is the Messiah. And like I said, a person can have all the arguments in the world. And, and it, when they're weighed up against the, the scriptures, they're going to be found false, especially when it comes to Jesus being the Messiah. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. And that's just, that, that's just crazy to think about. It's almost impossible. And it, without God, it would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And we know from Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 4, that it was God's eternal plan. The church was. And he knew that Jesus had to be the sacrifice. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, God sacrificed an animal right there on the spot and made them uh, clothing from the animal's skin. And so he knew in Exodus chapter 12, that Passover lamb, that first Passover lamb that was killed, and that blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of, of the Jews' homes. And so when the death angel 
passed over their house and he saw the blood, the people who were inside that house, no matter who was inside the house, didn't matter who was inside the house, the death angel was looking for the blood of that perfect lamb. And when he saw the blood of that perfect lamb over that doorpost, he passed over. And those people who were inside that home where the blood was, was saved. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He was the perfect lamb that was sacrificed for us. And when his blood is applied over the doorposts of our lives, we are saved. And he is the Messiah. He is the one that the prophets pointed to. And people say, well, I, I don't believe the Bible is true. I don't believe the Bible is accurate. Well, you know, that's okay. You can believe what you want to believe. You can come up with all the arguments that you, that you want to come up with. But that doesn't change the fact that God is God. The Bible is His Word. It, it, it is the words that He breathed. He chose men to pin these words down so that we can have it today. And when we read these words, that we can know and that's what John says in, in, his, in, in his other books, that we know without doubt that Jesus Christ is God's Son, that He is our perfect Lamb. He sacrificed His blood to wash away our sins. And just because you choose not to believe it does not change the fact that Jesus is who He says He is. Because, you know, hey, let's face it, God gave you a free will, and you can make the choice to choose to uh, accept the message or choose to reject the message. And unfortunately, there, it, just like it happened in Paul's day, no matter all the scriptures that he used, no matter how passionate he was, people rejected his message. And people still reject the message. Even though Jesus was freshly crucified and had just ascended, and it was just a few years after the church began, people rejected the message. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're trying to take a book that God has given us, and, and we still have all this evidence that, are, that is out there of these places that these people visit, that lived. And you can visit these places and see. And it makes the Bible come to life. And this is all we have. And so we have to live by faith. We have to choose to accept Jesus Christ by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, the Scriptures say. And so... There are people who just don't have the faith, and they continue to reject the message. But then you hear Jesus say to Thomas, Thomas, you see me because I'm standing here before you, and you, you put your hands in my side where the spear was, and you see that you put your hands in my hands, you can see the nail prints in my hands. But blessed are those who believe, but yet they've never seen. And so here we are 2,000 years later. We've never seen Jesus, but we have his word, and that's what we have to go on. And so... You either choose to believe it or you choose to reject it. And it is my prayer that you choose to believe God's word. That you choose to believe by faith that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the perfect lamb. The Passover lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. That God sent his only son into the world to die for our sins and pay the penalty to pay the price so that we could be reconciled, that we could be made friends again with God. Not because we're so good, not because God loves us, because He does love us. He does love everybody, but not everybody is saved. Only those who accept the message 
the gospel message, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They're baptized for the remission of their sins and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they walk with God as the best as they can on a daily basis so that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins. Am I perfect? Are you perfect? Is any Christian perfect? Absolutely not. There was only one person that was perfect. That was Jesus. That's why he was able to be the, the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, to pay the price of our sins. And like I said, you either choose to reject that message or you choose to believe that message. What are you going to do with it? The choice is yours. And I feel like I need to offer a, an invitation at this point. But, you know, this is not a church service. This is a podcast. So if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, find you a believer that say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized for the remission of my sins just as we're commanded to do so by Jesus and throughout the New Testament. And if you've already made that decision and, and, and you're walking with Christ, I say, praise God. God bless you. Keep walking with Christ. I know life gets hard and I know times gets tough and I know we can get discouraged, but I just want to encourage you to keep grinding. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Grind It Podcast. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your family so that they too can be encouraged by the power of God's Word. If you have any comments or questions, just email them to thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, keep grinding and God bless you.